Thank you for listening to this lunchtime talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, South Australian artist Jeff Wilson and the Art Gallery's assistant curator of prints, drawings and photographs, Alice Clanahan, discuss Wilson's work in the display In Good Company, The Drawings of Jeff Wilson. Thank you so much for coming to uh, this lunchtime talk today. Um, my name is Alice Clanahan. I'm the assistant curator of prints, drawings and photographs at the gallery and have been working um, with my colleagues and Jeff on his exhibition uh, probably for the last year. Um, so this exhibition, uh, In Good Company, the drawings of Jeff Wilson, uh, celebrates the man to my left, um, his drawing practice specifically uh, from the last uh, seven decades. Um, Today I would like to acknowledge we're meeting on Ghana land, uh, the galleries on Ghana land. I'd like to acknowledge uh, the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains and pay my respects um, to Ghana elders past, present and emerging. Uh, today Jeff and I um, will be talking about uh, this exhibition in good company which we're all in and um, I hope that you've found the other part of the exhibition which is um, near, the, uh, near the cafe in the atrium corridor um, and, um, and for those of you who are visiting for the first time uh, there are actually normally showcases in the middle of this space which we will return after this talk for space reasons. Um, so for the last uh, year or so I've been visiting uh, Jeff in his home studio Grime Hall in Bel Air. Um, Often um, I'll drive up there, we'll meet at about uh, 11 o'clock. Um, we'd look through sketchbooks, have a bit of a chat about the works and, um, and then we'd break and go down to uh, the local she Oak Cafe for some soup. Often Yemeni soup, sometimes French onion soup. <laughs> um, and so for me this in conversation is um, probably a bit, bit of an extension of those types of chats and talks and um, that we've had uh, for the last year and um, given the shows up maybe one of the last times we'll be able to talk together about the work. Um, so thank you Jeff for coming and thanks everyone for your support of this exhibition. Um, what I might do is just ask Jeff a few questions around, around some of the works and then if we have time at the end um, uh, take some questions from you. So Jeff, when you were a teenager, you said you would wander around North Adelaide with sketchbook and pencil because you had time and a stool. Um, why did you draw buildings at that time? My fa <coughs> family moved from Melbourne in 1941 and my mother enrolled me at Adelaide High. In those days, the junior school was in Curry Street in the building which is now the Romaine Centre. And the senior school uh, was in Grove Street next to the girls. So that's where they were. The class teacher, uh, when, in, when I was in first year, was a man called Alex Ramsey. Uh, he later became the head of the Housing Trust. Now, I, I forget what happened. I must have had at the school some drawings. It may have been the other students said, hey, sir, have a look at Jeff's drawings. I forget what happened, but he did. And um, he rang up the senior teacher at, in Grove Street and he came over and uh, asked me, uh, to join the Saturday morning landscape class of 13. Well, I thought I was being made a, a royal uh, <laughs> member of the academy in London, you know, at 13, <laughs> what I can do. Um, I can't remember what I, how this started, or maybe I started to draw, and... Um, Yes, 13, 14, 15, I started to walk around North Adelaide, catch the bus in and find something which looked interesting. It was usually buildings. 
Yes, I ne nearly became an architect, but that's another story. And um, yes, there are always buildings and streets. We have some of the drawings just around the corner, so um, maybe a bit later on if you want to have a look. There are some of um, New Street, That's Carrington right, yeah. Street, um, and maybe it is a good time. You did mention that um, you were, uh, you know, maybe going to become an architect, and um, can you tell us how that came about and why you didn't become an architect, maybe? In my last year of school, I would have been 16, turning 17, and the art teacher, a fellow called Tom Bone, who introduced me to watercolours, and he said, Jeff, what are you going to do when you leave? I said, I've got no idea. He said, look, you could become an art teacher, you get plenty of holidays, and you'd be able to, able to paint. And I thought, oh, that's okay. But a week later he came and he said, look, I don't know about this teaching. He said, you could become an architectural draftsman. I said, well, that sounds okay. Well, blow me down. A couple of days later in the old news paper, there was an advertisement wanted, junior architectural draftsman, a big crowd called Hassel and McDonald. So I wrote a letter and I got invited in for a, an interview. And it must have been one of the senior architects because he talked to me like he was his, my father. And he said, now look, Jeff, we don't want you to stay as a, as a junior draftsman. We'd like you to do the degree part-time, and it's going to take you six years. And he said, now, in the weekends, you've got to get a balance. You should be out playing sport and doing this and doing that. And then he said, after two years, if we think you're going okay, we'll offer you a wage. <laughs> because I think in those days, they're training you and you're not giving them anything back. Well, my parents weren't uh, well off, and I think two weeks after that, I was a junior teacher at Woodville High School. <laughs> and then I went into Teachers College. Uh, before you mentioned um, holidays, so speaking of holidays, um, the side of the exhibition that focuses on your practice as a, as a travel artist over here, we've got um, some works from... Uh, your first trip to Europe from 1954-56 and then um, uh, the grid of drawings in the middle are from uh, 1973 um, when you spent a year in Europe. Um, can you tell us a bit more about um, your travels, your time in, um, in London in the 50s and what attracted you to these types of landscapes? I'd been teaching at uh, Croydon Boys Tech. All of the artists older than me, and like some of the students, their parents would have said to them, get a real job, don't be a fine artist. So most of them became teachers. And that's what happened to me. But um, after five years at Croydon Tech, I'm met a couple of lads in Judy's coffee shop, which used to be in James Place, one night. And they said, well, we're going to Europe. And I thought, that's not a bad idea, I went to. <laughs> so in those days, you were only allowed to take 150 pounds out of, out of Australia. Eventually, we paid 78 pounds and we joined an immigrant ship in Melbourne on the first day of January 1954. And we were in a dormitory for eight people down below the waterline. And off we went. And um, we embarked in Genoa. It was snowing and bitterly cold. 
Now, I thought I'm going on that big traveling journey. I need a big sketch bag. Before I left, I designed a bag which had a compartment for everything I could think of. And I had it made in a place in Hindley Street. Unfortunately, the day before I left, I tried it on. It was a big green canvas bag. And when I stood up, the thing brushed my ankle. <laughs> and I set off with a haversack and this huge green bag. I, I think people thought I was worth circuits covered with canvas. <laughs> you couldn't see me. <laughs> Two days ashore in Genoa, I slipped on the ice and broke an elbow. And so I couldn't carry the bag. But we were still with the Mel Melbourne nurses that we met on the ship and <laughs> had a little romance. And we tended to stick together. And we set off to head down to Rome. I got to Rome, bought a uh, cardboard suitcase and sent that big bag off to the Bank of Adelaide in London. So I must have kept a small board and watercolours and so on. And as we travelled around, um, we'd do a drawing of a watercolour. Uh, and when I got to London, we kept working. Um, not a lot of work, but Sydney going to Spain, you know, a fascinating country, you just get attracted to how things look. You said you did um, a bit of supply teaching in London and also that you, had, you briefly enrolled at, at art school for a short time. Yes, I met up with uh, the character David Talbot. He was a bit older than me. And um, we met up in Paris and we got to London. He had a job and I started to do part-time teaching. And he said to me one day, look, Jeff, we're in England. We should go to a famous art school. So we enrolled in a life class at the Chelsea Art School, quite a famous place. Well, Dave and I turned up, and it was night, and we stayed a term. And the instructor came up to Dave and he said, you seem to know what you're about, and never came back to him. He came up to me and he said, I think the, le the left leg on the model is too long. I never saw him again. <laughs> so we uh, were well trained at Chelsea. Uh, thinking about um, your travel drawings um, and kind of that story about your, your sketch bag that you, you ditched and sent to London, um, a while ago you gave me some of these. Kindling. Yeah. I wonder if you could explain a bit about what you use these for. I think um, when I started at Adelaide High and they wanted to reproduce a drawing in the magazine and it needed to be in ink. And so I followed up all the books I could in the library about pen drawing. Mm -hmm. And in those days, uh, they had specialised nibs called gill, different sizes. And uh, with a, a fine nib, you get a very precise line, but not much character. So I must have been somewhere, and I didn't have a pen, so I'd look on the ground and find a dried stick and sharpen it. And some of these, and some of these are bamboo, but when you draw with them, they tend to splatter and wander along and gives you a more, a more interesting sort of a line. Mm. I remember I was on the island of Edra and uh, the little town just hangs around the harbour. But anyway, I followed up the mule tracks right up into the mountains on my own 
and there were two or three monasteries up there which seemed to be deserted. And I picked up a stick and did this drawing, just about finished, and right out of somewhere came this young dog. There was no, no people around, and he put his head under my board, and the ink went up, <laughs> straight down on the drawing. And I remember it was with one of those sticks. And I remember the, um, I went back the following day and did a drawing of the, of the same monastery. I've actually seen that sketchbook and there is um, ink all over the page. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've called this exhibition In Good Company um, because of your practice as a, as a social artist, um, joining up with, as you've mentioned, David Dalwitz and other artists, friends, um, ex-students, um, where you'd go out into the landscape and sketch and paint together. Um, but I've also included in this exhibition um, some works of art from the gallery's collection and um, in your collection by British and Australian artists. Um, the British artists are Edward Lear and Paul Nash. Um, I wonder when did you first became become aware of their work and um, what is it about those artists that you're attracted Maybe to? Maybe I should uh, bring this thing on Jeff Smart. Yeah, sure. The art teacher, Tom Bone, I won't go and, it wasn't a good teacher really in lots of ways because he, he taught me watercolour but really it was a slow old business. Anyway, he became ill and Jeff Smart, who was teaching like all the artists at Goodwood Boys Tech and he was sent over to relieve and in the final year of the matric, we were told we either had to, apart from doing English and Latin, to do either French or German. And I, I thought, well, maybe it's possible to do art in the matric subject. And so the art room was over in the girls' school. <laughs> and so I... Because I was the only one doing it, I was often there on my own. And I got bored and I once remember I got onto the chalkboard and drew a cone and a cylinder, simple geometric objects. Made it into a sort of a composition and I signed it in chalk. Well, not long after that, I was in class doing English with all the other lads and there was a knock on the door. And the teacher got up, went to the door and uh, he turned and he said, Jeff, there's someone here to see you. Well, I went to the door and there was this young man. He had a raglan overcoat on and a pork pie hat and it was Jeff Smart. Whether I'd met him before, I, I don't think. And he said, did you do those uh, drawings on the blackboard? I said, yeah. He said, come on, we'll walk over to the, uh, to the uh, art room. And on the way, he said, what artists do you know? And the only ones I knew, Arthur Streeton, Hans Heysen. He said, oh, they're okay, but you ever heard of Matisse? Or Gauguin? Never heard of him. <laughs> So we went over and we sat down and he said, I'm going to write you out a list of books. Now you get these books, they're in the Mortlock Library. Well, there would have been books about the moderns, Cubism, Matisse, Cezanne and so on. He said, now here's the list, get them out of the library and read them. Well, I put it in my kit bag, hopped on the double-decker bus, to go to play. When I got home, the list wasn't there. I'd lost it in that short time. Now, even if I had gone in and picked the books out, what I would have been looking at would have been quite foreign. I had no idea who these people were. When I was at the art school in the 40s, no one ever talked 
about modernism and what was happening in Europe. The, the funny thing, Jeff Smart knew at the age of 22. He was 22, I was 16. He was six years older than me. So um, my early experiences, which would have been simply going out and drawing something or painting something, that's all I knew. No one ever said, you know, follow this path or do this. Jeff Smart would have known right from the word go he wanted to be a, an artist. And his first exhibition around Adelaide would have been paintings of the wet streets, you know, selling them for about 10 guineas, 15 guineas. Now, why am I telling you all this? It's a matter of... Um... Well, I was talking about how we've included... We've included a robe painting by Jeff Smart round the corner, but also included uh, Edward Lear and Paul Nash in the show. And I remember um, some of the conversations we'd had about um, Muirhead Bone and D.Y. Cameron and other artists. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you weren't looking at Matisse, but you were looking... Um, at illustrated newspapers and magazines. And yes. I'm just wondering how you I came across... I suppose I was uh, curious, you know, when I was 14 or 15, still at school. And uh, we'd walk into the gallery here and um, they had a room full of drawings and a room full of watercolours. Uh, the the watercolours would have been Lionel Lindsay, Max Raglas, overseas people and local. Mm. And I was always curious about how these people worked and how wonderful the work looked. And then another fellow who was a friend at Adelaide Hart would go into the Mortlock Library and just inside the, the main entrance there was a cage what we called it the cage, full of books, and it had a wire front. And we'd say to the girl on the desk, can we have a key to the cage? Well, there's no strictness or formality there. And we'd open up the cage and pull out all these books. We, I can't even remember whose books they were, but they were full of drawings, mainly by artists in the Edwardian times or Victorian times. And they were wonderful, competent landscapes of buildings and stuff all over the Europe. So we'd look at these and go off feeling inspired. And so I suppose I was curious and would look and follow up things like that. Now, Edward Lear, I would have discovered maybe in a book I saw down in the art school library. And he was a, a wonderful topographical landscape. And I think it's the one over there behind, yeah. There's two, yeah. Now, that... That's an Edward Lear, 1840, and it's of a castle north of Rome. And when the Haywards gave up Carrickhool, that and another one were being sent to England. And uh, David Dryden was there, and I sort of, I said, how can I get hold of that? And he sold it to me at a ridiculous small price, unknown to Carrickhool. And if you look at the drawing, uh, it's got a wonderful authority about it. And um, Edward has written in little instructions because I think he had ambitions to be an RA. But he travelled all over Europe by maybe train and donkey. And when I went to a wedding in Corfu a few years ago, there was a a blue plaque on one of the buildings. Edward Lee lived here between certain years. And I found this little book and oh, terrific, terrific drawing. So I kept looking at things 
and they were always a kind of a yardstick that you could match yourself about. Um, Paul Nash, I would have seen as I got older, but he was one of those interesting English artists who are different from the Europeans, like Stanley Spencer, slightly eccentric. But Nash, um, his greatest fame probably was in the First World War when he was sent to drill in the trenches of Flanders and so on. And some of those big paintings are some of the best things he ever did. But the watercolour is based on a photograph. I mean, you've got two other photographs there. And he's rearranged things and made a composition out of it. He was a, a great watercolourist. And um, I'm going to London soon and I'm going back and I'll have a good look at the Nashes again. Good. Yeah, I always feel inspired by them. Um, Jeff, when we talked about places where you've uh, painted and drawn in the landscape in the 1990s and early 2000s, um, including places like Quartz Quarry, Strout Farm, Harewood Farm, Landcross Farm. Um, perhaps the most important one for you, um, where you spent the longest time, was Pengilly Farm. And um, some of the works of Pengilly Farm are just um, on the, uh, the back wall. I have four um, or three drawings and a watercolour there. Um, I was wondering if you could just tell us about how you came to paint and sketch there. I was a, a lecturer at the art school for 20 years and Dave, Dave Delwitz, he was, I think he was born in 1912 and I was born in 1927. And um, he said to me, well, let's go out painting. And so we started off Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, we'd go down to the country beyond O'Halloran Hill, it's covered with houses now, but it's just rolling country. And we'd just work for the morning, we'd work for the afternoon. Not that regular, but yeah. Well, he retired before me and he kept saying, look, why don't you get out of it and we can go off and work. Well, I'd paid off my house and I didn't seem to have any responsibilities. So I retired at 55. And the first day of January, Dave said, let's go painting, you know. And he, he drove up from Seacliff and I lived at Belair. He said, where will we go? I said, look, Piccadilly Valley has always looks interesting. So off we go. And we get, a, get there and get out of the cars and Dave looks around and of course it was all ordered with market gardens and buildings. And he said, it's too neat. <laughs> and he drove off, went home. So I stayed, but see, he was curious. He wanted to see what I was doing. So he came back the next day <laughs> and we stayed there about 18 months. And we'd sit on the east side of the valley with the sun behind our backs and we'd paint. I was painting with acrylic, which was ideal for keeping on working. And we'd have lunch and go over to the western side with the sun on our backs. And the longer we stayed, the more we saw. And I suppose um, we might have been near 18 months to two years. And then I had a show of those things at BMG in, I'd have been 84 or something. But then we started to explore the country going down to McLaren Vale. And we came across this road, Bayless Road, and it had a dairy farm there. And it looked old. The main farmhouse would have been built maybe as early as 1850. So Dave, we were in our own cars and we were drawing the buildings and the farmer came out. I could see him talking to Dave 
And he said, look, if you boys want to come in, you can, long as you don't smoke, you know, because he didn't want the place going up in smoke. So in we went, and we kept going day after day after day, summer. And um, we'd take our lunch, see a subject, uh, and he, he kept working in acrylic, so he was faster. He would finish two paintings and I'd be still drawing in mine. And again, the longer we stayed, the more and more we saw. So I reckon we stayed there about two years. And um, daily trips. But then I think other people came and joined you. Hmm? Other people came and joined you later on. Occasionally, yes. Yeah. Ex-students, um, Hugo Shaw sometimes. Well, we've got um, David's wonderful painting up at the back of the Pengilly group. Yeah, now the painting there, the one on the end wall there, that would have been painted one day and I went down always looking for the subject. And what struck me was the white post in the front with the sloping post as a... And, and I thought there's something about the angles of those. And then I realised that the road going off into the, the distance had the same sort of slope as some of the sloping fences. That was enough to start it. And... Um, if you have an idea or if you see something which rings a bell, the difficulty in working outside is to stay with that initial start. Otherwise, you get sidetracked by everything that's going on around. So when I look at it, I thought, yes, I didn't try and paint everything in the paddocks. I put a few little buildings on the top and then the Wollonga Hills. Now, when I first started working as a watercolourist, I would have worked for up to the age of 30. No change. You know, I still did the same old thing. But that is the result of me teaching at the art school. Because coming from a secondary school, teaching boys, suddenly you're faced with late teenagers, 19, 20 old. And you had to rethink. And the first day I started, the head of the art teaching department said to me, Jeff, look, you're going to teach drawing, painting one, design one and two, and lettering three. He didn't ask me whether I could teach them. <laughs> I said, well, look, what about painting one? Um, can you give me the core structure? And he sort of blinked. He said, put up a few objects and let them have a go. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, how can you face teenagers with that? And uh, I started to think about what I should do. I never walked in to a class and said, get on with your work from last week. And so I had to rethink things. And something that Jeff Smart wrote when he met Dorrit Black. And Dorrit said to him, when you are making a picture, that's different from painting a picture. And, and she had been trained in uh, France and had a great teacher of Cubism. And so her work, as, when you look at it, has a, an in, uh, sort of an organic structure beyond what the subject is. And I suppose that is coming out of a different education I was having. I always thought that 20 years there, I had a new education, a second one. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Yes, have I said everything? <laughs> I think that point is really important about um, the structure of a painting and a drawing because when I look around um, this exhibition and I look at um, some of your 
uh, works um, from Port Lincoln that are in the showcase. Um, we don't have any works uh, from your time at Port Adelaide, but you and Dave went down to sketch. Yes, when we finished dock. painting up in um, Piccadilly Valley, Dave said, now where are we going next? And I said, well, let's go down to Port Adelaide. Now that's a long drive. So we never painted there, we drew. And it was at a stage when some of the 19th century structures were still there, the old gas works. Wallaroo Mount Lyle looked like a giant chemistry set. And we'd go down and subjects after subjects. And I uh, had an exhibition at David Dryden's Beehive Corner Gallery in 1986 of paintings that I made from the drawings. The strange thing, even though we were near the river, there was, I never painted any water in the pictures. They were all buildings and old dumps, of course. Um, so we exhausted that. Where did we go? And then I think it was Pengilly Farm arrived. The painting over there, of the, corner, the strange one with a group of us in, uh, Greg Trott, who was a character living at McLaren Vale and involved with Wirra Winery, he wanted to make a big book about the identities that lived there. And he knew that group run by David Dryden um, were painting around near Wirra Wirra. So he sent a photographer down and we met. That's at Pengelly's farm. And he's, Dave has painted it from a photograph. And he's sitting down and you can, if you look at the painting, you'll see he's painting a road. Well, he's painting a road going up past the dairy. Hugo Shaw is standing at the back, borrowed a pair of Groucho Marx eyebrows, false nose and glasses. Uh, David Dryden has got the red um, pinafore on. I'm standing on the right. Leslie Redgate, who's here somewhere, she's there, and Christine Lawrence. They were both ex-students. And we used to meet once a week at a farm called the Strout Farm, which was next to Wirra Wirra. Um, yeah. Now, the dairy farm was surrounded by bare paddocks. And we got used to the rhythm of the dairy farm with the milking in the morning and the milking at night. And we, you know, we got friendly with the family. Well, one day a wine consortium came to the owners, the old farmer dead by now, and they offered them quite a bit of money to buy the land around where we were. And so all that early charm when it's all surrounded by vineyards now. I still often drive past the farm and it still looks good. But it's full of old ghosts, Dave's ghosts <laughs> and mine. <laughs> that might be a good um, opportunity to leave it there. I was wondering if anybody, maybe we can have a couple of questions. Yeah. Can I take you back seven decades? You'll have to, I can't hear, go on. Can I take you back seven decades? Yes, go on. When I was very, very young, I won't say how young, I was staying at a guest house at Port Nalunga with my mother, and a young artist did a sketch for me and signed it Jeff Wilson. And I would like to know whether you're the same Jeff Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't very old. Uh, that would be at oh, yeah. Brighton. No, Port Nalunga. Port Nalunga, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I you, Jeff. About 1949, yeah. I don't think I've been proved. It is yours, Jeff, is it? Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. See, most of the, all the drawings don't have any messages. I just 
drew them because they looked interesting. And um, I can hold it up. <laughs> Any other questions for Jeff? Barbara, yeah. One of the first people I met was Dave Dalwitz, and so I'd come here as a an English doesn't matter an English bride who knew nothing about Australia or Adelaide. And the first thing I did was go to a party where Dave played jazz, and I thought I'd arrived in heaven. <laughs> you want to reminisce a bit about those wonderful get-togethers of everybody? Yes, well. Dave, when I first went to England, he was there and we met up sometimes in the weekend. I mean, we visited odd galleries and so on. But halfway through the year, I just arrived in England after hitchhiking and travelling around Spain and Italy. And he decided to bring his wife and two children to England. So he bought an old London taxi for 20 quid <laughs> and he said, how about coming with me down to Naples? I said, look, I've only got 40 pound left out of my 150. He said, that's near enough. <laughs> and it was during the long English school summer holidays. So we set off. I sat on the open space where the bags were put. And I sat on a wooden box, no seatbelts or anything, and of course, and the taxi, the old taxi, huge, you, know, you could fit 20 people in the back. So off we went. And uh, we had a few adventures on the way and we picked up his wife and the two kids and took them back to London. Well, Dave decided a year away was enough, so the whole family came back and they bought this old house which is still at Seacliff. And it was an arty house, you know, and jazz was an, uh, Dave was an avid jazz musician. So they had rehearsals there in parties, wonderful mad times. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was time? something else. Yes, I remember once in London, Dave said, look, I found a barge on the banks of the, uh, the Thames. And he said, they've got a sketch club there. He said, let's go along. Well, we went along and you paid a small amount and you'd hop into the hold of the barge and there would be a nude woman and we'd draw but up on the front, up near where they would have been, where they steered the damn thing, if it ever went anywhere, um, there was a piano. And so Dave would play at night and had a little bar and uh, it was fun, see, and that's the sort of thing that he did. Yes, I keep thinking of these question. things. Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much. I just wonder if you could tell us what your daily routine is like now. Do you still paint? And what sort of things do you paint and where do you go to paint or draw? I don't know where I do any work anymore. Um, <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> all the drawings, a lot of them, I, I'll divert for a minute. Um, I decided to take a year off art school without pay. And um, so off I went. But in those days, I took $6,000 for me, hoping it was going to last a year. But of course, the exchange rates then, you got two English pounds to one dollar. People can't believe that. Oh, that's not right, Jeff. I said, it is. And, um, and so I had really 12,000 pounds. So I bought a brand new Toyota van. And I thought, off I go. I had arranged to meet people 
later in the year in Belgrade, ex-students and so on. And so off I set off into Norman and I thought I'll do a drawing a day, one a day. And sometimes some of these over here were what I did. Sometimes I did more than one a day. And you knew you had to keep driving and then gradually I worked my way down to Spain and so on. But I was camping in Cordoba in my van and a young man was walking around my van picking up little sticks. And I said, what are you going to do with those? He said, oh, I'm going to light a fire and make a cup of tea. It turned out he was Adelaide and he was travelling with his fiancée, Adelaide young couple, they were radiologists. So I said, look, I'm going down to the Seville in the morning. You want a lift? So they hopped in. We got to Seville and we bumped into two young Californian people who they'd met somewhere else along the line. Now, these innocent Californians bought pushbikes. They thought they were going to ride all over Europe. I think they got out of Paris and realised that it was beyond them, so they put the bikes on the train. Now, the Adelaideans were heading to Morocco, so I said to the California, if you can take the front wheels of your bikes, we will stick them in the van. Next thing, I had four people with me, <laughs> so a drawing a day went out the... Yeah, so that, I lost that. Um, all of the early paintings with Dave are all done outside, on the spot. And one day he said to me, I don't want to do this anymore, Jeff, and he just stopped. But I kept going. I was working on a farm at McLaren Bar. But he was curious. He'd drive down every day. Joan would read a book in the car and he'd be making a little sketch. He was still wanting to not really give it up. So I kept going on my own um, and I did less and less outside. Um, but I'd go out and uh, draw and so on. And the last trip I did, David Dryden organised lots of trips which were only about five days when go and stay at a wonderful place in Western Victoria. Well, a day to drive there and a day to drive back would have been four days' work. And I realised it's too short a time to paint. So I'd sit in the van and draw and make watercolour. So I'd drive all around the district. A wonderful country over there. And so the last trip we did was up to Melrose, last October, and David hired a Church of England retreat, which is just outside of Melrose. And we were there for four days, a day up, day home, two days working. Well, the two days were perfect. Blue skies, lovely warmth, and the country was just turning from winter through the late spring into summer. And the colours of the crops the whole thing, was screaming out to be painted. Well, I was travelling with a, another ex-lecturer, Barry Goddard, and we both went in my car and explored the roads. We made two or three drawings, and when I got home, I painted two of the drawings, or made up the paintings from the drawings. So I've never been consistent. There's long gaps when I don't do a thing. That doesn't worry me. I mean, other artists I talk, they're in their studio nine o'clock in the morning, you know, and in the afternoon. I get in there and I hold the brush in one hand and the phone in the other, <laughs> hoping it's going to ring and invite me out somewhere. <laughs> um, yes, I still paint. I never find it easy. I mean, all pictures to me are a struggle. And maybe that's good. I'm not painting pot boilers. That's enough. The audience about you recently went north with Barry Humphreys. Oh, Barry Humphreys, yes. 
Um, you're still going out, is what I mean, and you're still painting. We have a drawing from this year that's in the, the showcases, and we've got a drawing from 2017 in the show of High Marsh Island just around the corner. Yeah. Oh, well, that, David, when he um, went to London to study restoration at the Victoria and Albert, he, uh, a lot of the, this is in the 60s when Jermaine Greer and Clive Jones, all that crowd went. And Laurie Dawes, the painter, was there. And, uh, and, and David met Barry somewhere. And they became friends and they're still good friends. And occasionally when Barry feels like a break, he'll ring up Dave and he said, look, I'm coming down and I want to go painting, get the stuff ready. Well, David go off and buy all the work. And uh, Barry liked comfort, so he wouldn't go camping, so they'd go and stay, <laughs> stay somewhere that was a nice place. Well, one of the ventures we found on Kangaroo, not Kangaroo Island, Highmarsh Island, was a, I forget what it's called, it was a, a big place, beautiful big bedrooms, wonderful kitchen, wonderful uh, dining room and so on. And um, Barry is an amateur painter. So David, I remember they would take a table and set up a little easel, one for himself and one for Barry. And then David would go off and photograph something and he'd said to Barry, here's your photograph, Barry, get going. <laughs> and I'd, they were similar, but Barry was a bit madder. And so that where David would stick pretty well to the photograph, Barry would change it around. And, um, and you know, we'd sit down at dinner tonight and just chat away. Barry had a, a great knowledge of painting, English painting. And I think he had a collection of condors, mm. early condors and so on. But yeah, you meet all these characters and that's part of the fun. Can we all um, give our appreciation and thanks to Jeff for his time. Mm.